This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. So one is that that part of the information that had a life until they decided to, to pull it in. It was, you know, no problem. There's very little correlation between what this, what we see as Yeshayim and Tzadikim. So Tosvus answers that this thing of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the books open and they're being ascribed for life or death, is really for Olam Haba. It's not talking about dated, it's not talking about what's going to go on yearly, but Olam Haba. So this is where your photo, this is where it kicks in. Yesh Lahavid. This is the first packet, yeah? I'm sure everybody's is reasonably comfortable with Hebrew, so I don't have to go slowly, slowly. But but Yesh Lahavid, he says, I don't understand. Sharei din zeh haba. The question as to whether or not giving it haba ain't a Rosh Hashanah, not relevant Rosh Hashanah. El rak After a person dies, it's relevant as to whether he's tzaddik or Russia. It's not relevant yearly. When a person dies and then he's judged, so, so why is it like why is it Rosh Hashanah? Why is it relevant? The old kosher, and he says, I have another problem. If you tell me that every year there's like a subtotal, okay, you know, this year what like add up the total olam haba olam hazeh. So that means whenever you come to the next world, you've already got, uh, let's say, we'll give you 120 years, so 119 years worth of subtotals there. Nimsa she'achap tiroso yoduno serak ala chadoshim she'ovim roshona achan yom tiroso. So if the person passes away, you've only got to do seven months worth. It doesn't seem, doesn't seem right. You keep doing subtotals, and then the big grand mishpat when a person dies is what? Just uh, uh, a few months worth doesn't seem right. Also, he says, the old might What purpose is there in it? I mean, it's like when you're doing when you're a business and you don't want to be overloaded with tax stuff at the end of the year. You, you do sub tax returns, you know, quarterly. You do quarterly reports that don't hit you in, in April or January. But God's system is efficient, and He could do it the last time also. So, what has he got to break it up into subtotals for? You really insist on doing Rosh Hashanah. So, the last Rosh Hashanah of, of, of a person's life, let God say, okay, we, we now are going to do account for all his life, and just the last piece before he dies, we're doing Those are the issues that he raises with it. We will skip the next two paragraphs. He simply brings down other sheetas. But they all have the same problem. Why on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is it important to do anything about Olam Haba? It's not really significant. Um, let us skip down further. He has another. The Rosh Hashanah don't come Olam Olam Haba. All it does is, I just don't want to bore you with the reading. Um, Going to the next page, Chaim Gimel, he brings down a gra that says you have both Olam Haba and Olam Hazeh 
throughout Rosh Hashanah. That on Rosh Hashanah you have this whole Abba system that he speaks about. And besides that, you judge for every year, like we say in the davening, that God declares on that year, decrees that year, whether or not um, things will be, which countries will have it good, who's going to die of hunger, of starvation, and so on. Both of them are true, which doesn't really give us an answer yet, because we understand why it's necessary for each year, but why that whole chesmerol mahabonom has it. Okay, let's, so the answer, so now he's going to start to explain, and we are going, he's going to, the, the points are going to be sort of in three stages, and let's start the first stage and, and go further. So, the question is, how does all Hazel and Haba stuff mix together? What's the purpose of having Rosh Hashanah and so on? What does it mean that a person is judged Olam Haba? Let's understand it, and, and at the point, let's go a, a little bit uh, uh, out of what's written. Um, there's a Gemara that says, if a person says God's an okay guy, you know, even if you cut corners, he's okay with it. The Gemara says very sharp lotion about the person's life is not worth life, or something along those lines. Why not? I mean, for us to be a nice guy is okay. What's wrong with God to be a nice guy? You know, we, we're sort of, you know, we give people quarter and we let things. So the Nefesh Achayim, and that's the Vulagon's big Talmud, says the following point. Olam Haba is not a tit-for-tat system. It's not, for instance, if a person finishes school um, with with a, a GPA of a certain amount, then he will get a uh, he will he will get a prize for it, scholarship somewhere. That that is an unrelated thing. Meaning, you got your grades, you did very well, so you'll get a full scholarship for law school or whatever it is. That type of thing is you're doing one thing and you're getting something else for it. But if I tell you that if you do all the math in the course, you're going to know how to do statistics. That's not a reward and punishment system. That's what you know. The math in the course is absolutely necessary for you to do an actual table. If you don't have math one, two, three, four, or five, you can't do it. So it's not a reward for what you're doing. That is what you are doing. Um, so you have a system, when we say A brings B, Sometimes we mean it's a reward system. It's not intrinsic. But if you do this, we'll give you a prize, we'll give you money, we'll give you honors. It's not what you did, but it's a reward for what you did. The second system is, this is what you are doing. When you're taking five courses of math, if they're all absolutely necessary for you know, actuary, so that means you're learning how to construct the table, you're learning how to gather information, you're learning how to weigh information. Each step is important for what you're doing. We look, I mean, the very, the, the general, not back to the Christians, but the, the pervasive attitude is God's got his rules, and he's got a wonderful heaven with a lot of angels and just wonderful things flying around. And if you do difficult things, it's difficult to wake up a dominant, it's difficult to keep Shabbos, it's difficult to keep kosher, but if you do it, 
there's a there's a reward system for it. That's a very infantile idea. The main reason why it's infantile is because it seems very, very, um, it, it seems roundabout. If God really wants us to be happy, to be good, so why put me through um, torture to get to something else? For instance, if you want a place cleaned up and nobody likes to clean up, so you say, you know what, whoever's cleaning up is going to get $10, $50 reward, first choice at a seat, whatever. That's because, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult job, you don't want it, and you let somebody else uh, uh, do it for reward. But God doesn't have to do it that way. He doesn't have to give us X amount of years of really difficult stuff and then say, okay, and now we're opening up the, 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 the pearly gates for you. I once was speaking to an Arab kid that I used to teach in Eishat Torah, which is in the old city. And a lot of times the only kids that would go there were Arab camps. And I, I used to very much enjoy talking with them. And this, I always like to figure out how other people think and so on. And this uh, cab driver was telling me, I asked him if he's Christian or Muslim, so he got very insulted. He said, of course, I'm Muslim. We Muslims are like the Jews. We believe in the five books of Moses, and we believe in Moses. And, and it, was, it was a very interesting conversation. And he was saying, we believe that if you do good, you get rewarded no matter who you are, what you are. And he said, but then he started launching into the, the rewards of what it looks like in the world to come. And, and being a rabbi, I can't really repeat most of it, but it, it, it's whatever you imagine or shouldn't imagine, that's exactly what he was telling me. And I asked him, but if that's so good, so, so why not have it here? Why would God say 70 years or 100 years of, you know, of, of mortification to have that which you could have here. If, if, if eating a lot is a wonderful thing, so why not just put people down and eat a lot? It doesn't make any sense, the, the game that, that he's playing with us. So the answer is no. Olam Haba is, it's a lifestyle just like someone who's got potential to be smart academically and to do well in school, but he's lazy and he hasn't caught yet on he doesn't enjoy being intellectual. So you schlep him part of the way, but once he gets the idea, he really enjoys it. And, and it becomes natural to him. He likes it. Somebody has potential to be athletic. And, but he's, he's just never done it. He's lays on a couch and he's, and he's just eating and he's going to be set. So I schlep him and I make him do workouts, but then he likes it because it's in him. And, and it's a type of thing, a person who's athletic and, and, and coordinated and does well, you enjoy it because, you, because it, it's, it's a whole type of life that you really enjoy. Olam Haba is not a place where you give tzach. Olam Haba is a world where that world is real. For us, the physical world is real. Soft chair is soft, good food is good, nice weather is nice, and religion and mitzvahs are sort of ideals. In the, in the, in the, Olam Haba is the other way around. It's just like an athlete when he begins to snap into it and, and he has the thrill of his body being able to do things instantly and, and quickly and, and coordinated. There's a feeling of what it means to be an athlete. And just like a person when he works hard in school and all of a sudden 
he can take a, a, a subject and he can present it and he can analyze it and he can give it over. It's interesting. There's something to it. Olam Haba is the place where a person is able, it's, it's a spiritual world. And that's getting back to the point we had said. God can't say, okay, it's just like they can pass you in college if you didn't do well, if you've got a good connection, a good deal with the person. But there's no way that you'll notice stuff, even if they're nice about it. Even if, even if, if your dad gives a lot of money to the college and the guy pats on the back and winks and says, it's okay, you know, you've made it. You've, you know, your marks are, you've got a 4.0. He, he could have the 4.0, but he's still not going to notice stuff. He's still going to be stupid. And the same thing if he someone bribes a coach. I mean, he's still going to be fat and sluggish if he hasn't worked out. It's not going to help because we're dealing with the reality versus a versus a, a reward system. So that is the, 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 the first point about what the nature of Olam Haba is. So now he says, let's look inside. Um, Divrei, that's Ayn Dalet, Divrei Ramchal, next page. Divrei Ramchal, he had just quoted Ramchal, Tuamim and Divrei Agro B'Shem Atosis. Beer Ha'inyan Kapu, the explanation of it is as follows. Maybe from a window or actors or something that's kind of hot here. Speaking about the world to come, we, we don't want to... Ah, that's good. Okay, all right, thanks. I'm sorry. He says, Here in the castle, Kimobe Malchusa de Ara, Derecha Mishpetusha Betrilla Kovea Bezdin, in Nation Zeruzaker Chayet. When you come to court in this world, the first thing is a decision guilty or uh, not guilty. And then you make a decision as to what punishment to give the person. The first thing is to decide what is the person. That is the din that we spoke about the world to come. It's not will you go to heaven or not. It's who are you? Since Olam Haba is the spiritual definition of the person, it's not a description about what's waiting for you, but it's the first thing is, what are you? Is it a person whose drives are basically good? Is it a person whose life is ideal-oriented? Is it a person who's material-oriented? Is it a person who's base? Is it a person who's coarse, selfish? Ben Olam Haba is, and he explains this, the Din Olam Haba means Kviyas Hamehus Aruch Adam. The defining the person's spiritual reality. Ukeloshen Ramchal, like Ramchal says, Hanikva Benat Sadikim Uanichta Vesefachayim. The person that is considered a tzaddik is written in the Book of Life, and the other person is written in the Book of the Dead. Now he explains. Uh, skip a line. Kimoa Musak ben Bayis. Just like a person, in, if in Hebrew, a ben Bayit means someone whose natural home is here. If, 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 in, in Hebrew, bene Beso means members of the household. 
Ben Bias means the one, it doesn't mean the son of a house. It means the person whose natural habitat is this house. So a Ben Olam Haba, he says, um, a Ben Bayit doesn't have to be in the house at that moment. If he's not a guest, and he's one of the household members, he's a Ben Bayit. The Chaini says, Ben Yeshiva. Hakavana Shezel Mahuso. It means a person who's got a Yeshiva temperament. He is, his, his, his mindset is a Yeshiva. Ben Yeshiva, when he goes out to work, if, if, he's, if he's gotten it, then he's a Ben Yeshiva. The Chaim Le'inya Mashom Chazal Bilkam Mekomos, a Zehu Ben Olam Haba. A lot of times you find it in, in, in Chazal, they say, who is a Ben Olam Haba? They don't mean who's going to get Olam Haba, because that depends on, on your entire... For instance, it says, who's a Ben Olam Haba? Someone that reads Ashrei three times a day. Who's a Ben Olam Haba? Someone that does this. Who's a Ben Olam Haba? Someone does this. Well, it depends. If the guy reads Ashrei three times a day and kills somebody in the middle, I'm not sure he's going to get Olam Haba. If, if somebody does all the other things that he says he's Ben Olam Haba, and you do bad, it, and, and he eats some kippah, he's not a Ben Olam Haba. But a Ben Olam Haba means what is the hallmark of someone who is naturally geared to Olam Haba? Olam Haba is a type of personality. It's someone who is a, who, whose personality fits that type of world. So you find in different places that type of, of description. Ezeo ben Olam Haba. Who is the type of person that is ben Olam Haba? Eina kavona. Shirak Lacha Mosi is going to Doesn't mean a person that after he'll die he'll get Om Haba. That depends what he's going to do further on. He is now already an, a Ben Olam Haba. Mehuso he Ben Olam Haba. That is his essence. Even if he's in this world, his roots, his base, his, 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 his foundation is of Olam Haba type. This is what it means that a person has an Olam Haba type of... He has a, a din on Rosh Hashanah as a God's Olam Haba. Rosh Hashanah nikvas hamehus haruchnis shel ha'odom alpidah gosay. On Rosh Hashanah, a person's spiritual um, essence is determined. What are you? The Hainu Ha'adam Kaisiv Esifro. The person writes his book. The person on Rosh Hashanah sets down what he is. Umikviyas Mehusa Ruchnis Novea Hadin Alom Let me explain this because it's a very important point. Um, one of the things that's presented, and again, it's very simplistic, it's not correct. They have this thing about Christians believe the world to come, and this world is non-existent, and it's only good for mortifying yourself. Jews believe in this world, and you've got to partake of it, and so on and so forth. And, and, and uh, you, know, you, you get married, you have a family, you eat on Shabbos and Yom Tov, and so on. That's a, a statement that's peddled around. It's a half-truth. And there's an expression in Yiddish that a half-truth is a whole lie. It's a 50% truth is 100% false. It, it's, it's not correct the way it is. What it means is as follows. 
Whereas other religions, I, I can't speak of Christianity, I'm not, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a priest, but where, whereas there's an idea that this world is nothing, meaningless, and sort of meditate your way out of this world, mortify your way out of this world, crucify your way out of this world, crucify somebody else out of this world, or, you know, jihad yourself out of this world, that definitely is not a Jewish idea. But, this world is a tool where you shape your understanding, your feelings, and 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 your personality to make it a benefit. A person experiences a life as a life of experiences, and the more a person experiences our material in the sense that that's what it stays with. Um, getting married to somebody is simply the physical pleasure of having somebody available, or eating is simply having good food. So that's what the person becomes. He's used this world to make himself a very base, a very base person, very animal person. On the other hand, a person who sacrifices and he gives of his own food to someone else. A person who, who, who uses the vehicle of living with someone as a way of having the relationship of marriage and, and all the beauty of that relationship. The person is using this world experiences to give him a sense of an idealistic world. If, if you weren't hungry, giving food to somebody else would be a meaningless act. But when you're hungry, and you have to break off a half a bread and give to somebody, or thank God, we're not holding by that, maybe in college, they don't eat, but most people that are grown up don't have that issue. Um, if you have a thousand dollars, and you've been planning to save it up for, for I don't know, a new cause, not much, but whatever, and then something needy came along and you gave it, the pain of giving and the rising above it to give it are powerful experiences and they're experiences that etch themselves on a person's soul the person carries in his mind and heart the feeling of rising over his own greed hunger and so on to give so the person has used the tools of this world to bring out qualities of a Ben Olam Now, that's what we do. That's that's how we, and that's what all mitzvot are. God does it the same way. And, and this is the first way in understanding, not that we'll ever understand everything or anything, but it gives us some sense of direction in understanding about these things. The purpose of God in creating a person is to develop a person so that he becomes a Ben Olam That's the purpose of us experience this world. The hashkacha of Hashem is how will we most wisely allocate resources, experiences, and, and interaction with this person to move in that way. Now, because that is the point we're moving at. To take a person and say, listen, we'll dump him with money, we'll dump him with talents, we'll give everything and just leave him to rot. It's not a terrible, it's, 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 that's not a terribly great providence. I once saw a description of the Duke of Windsor who died. You know, he was the one who abdicated the throne and and uh, basically did nothing with the rest of his life. And they had a description of his life as being a life of opulent uselessness. That was the way it was described. You know, he had all the money and all the prestige, you know, of the Duke and absolutely a life that was worthless living. So that's a perfect example of what God is not doing, should not be doing, in, in when he focuses. 
what what does require a certain what requires divine providence is okay we've got so and so we need to stimulate him to move in a certain direction we'll give him a pat on the back we'll open up a window of opportunity we'll give him a slap on the face you know he'll, 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 when he knocks his head into the wall it's going to wake him up we're going to leave him alone for a while and see if can he do something on his own we won't leave him alone for a while and all of these I mean, these, these things can run simultaneously. Things are going from one direction, they're going off another direction. Things seem to be headed one way, this way, the other way, that way. That whole interaction of man is not, is God punishing me or is God rewarding me and that's it. This world's purpose is to become a means for developing the person. So the real question is not, why is God being nice to me? Why is God being difficult to me? It, it's where am I supposed to be headed? Is, is this something I'm supposed to overcome? Is this a signal telling me, get away? Is, is this something that I should ignore and, and, and despite it go on? All of those are the elements of interaction. But the interaction is as follows. Goal, and the goal is that a person develop spiritually, which includes giving, which includes self-discipline, which includes understanding God. All of these are qualities of Olam Haba. And then, how will day-to-day -day life affect the person in that direction? Push, pull, disappear. Sometimes God disappears off the radar screen and says, let the person come to grips with himself. Let's see if he can handle it himself. Let's see if the person will say, I'm missing something. Sometimes the, the void in a person's life will in itself stimulate the person and say, you know, everything's okay, but there's a big emptiness. All of those are different tools that God uses to push a person in a certain direction. So now, when God is dealing with Rosh Hashanah, the judgment of Rosh Hashanah includes two phases. First of all is, where is this person? In, 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 in real terms, since we said the real world is Olam Havra, it's a world of a person's spiritual, his, his feelings, his understandings, the entire mitzvahs of the person is spiritual. What are you? And, that, and there's only three categories. There's tzaddikim, which means he's right on target. This is what he is. There's rishoyim, which means he is, um, he is uh, headed in the other direction. And there's bainim, which is struggling somewhere between the two. Those are the three categories that define a person. And that's done every Rosh Hashanah. Because the next phase is going to be built on that phase. It, it, without determining, without diagnosing what the person is, there's no point in saying, what are we going to do with him? It's not reward and punishment. It's goal-oriented, and where is this person in relation to where he's going to be, and let's see what we do with him. Once that determination is made, that's what it means, that's what Tosis means, he says, about um, Olam Haba every year. It means an, a real, a real picture of the person's essence. This is, it's like sometimes when you when you give a financial report, you know, you freeze a moment and you say, as of April 30th, this the corporation is in the red, it's in the black, or somewhere in the gray middle. But 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 it, it's it's freezing a snapshot of what the person is, and there are only three answers: either he's a spiritual person, a material person, or struggling somewhere in the middle. The second phase is, well, what do we do with him now? He is where he is. This is what he is. We've got to get him to another place. What do we do? 
now there's a din, a din on Olam Haza. But it's not Olam Haza separate from Olam Haza. It's where is he, where do we want him to get to, and how are we going to do it. For some people, it's harsh. You know, it's it's by it's it's either by presenting obstacles, it's by slapping the person, whatever. Some people, it's by coddling the person. Most people, it's a lot of mixes of pluses and minuses. But those are the two elements of the day. One more point is going to make, and, and that'll be the final point. And, and it just it's just important. That's why I, I do want to go through it because because he speaks about. Now he says like this. Um, Ella, at the bottom of Ayn Dalet. Shaddayin Tzorav Biyur Madu'a Kriyas HaMadrei Gidafka Shoshana Ve'ezah Shafzir Shemazir He says, how come this has to be on Rosh Hashanah? Why is it not every day? Why after this day? Okay. Biyur Inyan Hu Let me explain it outside because I don't know if we'll have time to read it. He brings from his Rebbe Rav Desla that there are two types of Bechira, a free choice that people make. And they're distinctly different. The first type of choice a person makes is on a day to, on a minute-to-minute basis. Should I give money? Should I not give money? Should I re- restrain myself? Should I not restrain myself? Should I doubt him? Should I not doubt him? Those are particular decisions. Everyone's got his free will. And everyone can exercise it in, in, in the way that he wishes. But then there's a second question. A person has issues that send him off in a general direction, where he makes a decision about which school he's going to go to, who's going to marry, how much affiliation does he want to have with religion in general, and how much of it he wants. Those are broad issues that are not particular Bechiras, but he calls it Bechira Klaus, a more general Bechira. Um, and the truth is, a lot of what we determine at any, a lot of what we do at any one particular time, is determined not by the choice at that moment, but where did you choose to live? Who did you choose to marry? What profession did you choose to go to? A lot of those things are determined by that. So when we speak about a person's bechira and a person's hashgacha and, and hashgacha, we're speaking on two planes. There is day-to-day decisions which are important, and each one is, is a mitzvah, an avera, and, and everybody has free will to do it. And then you're talking about broad-based decisions that, that affect 101 things. Um, the, 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 the type of, the, every day it says there is a judgment, meaning this is a process that goes on daily. God is always interacting with a person, and on a small level, there is a day-to-day interaction, a day-to-day uh, back and forth. But there are times when you're, when you're setting policy for long term. You're making a decision that's going to affect a year's worth, not a day's worth. You're making a decision that's going to affect a whole direction. So Rosh Hashanah relates to those type of decisions. Generally speaking, the sweeping decisions. What is this person on the grand scale? How do we drive into a certain direction on a grand scale? And, and, and Rosh Hashanah balances those two. On a daily level, there's a struggle with a daily Bechira. You have, to, you have to decide every day to go to Minyan now. A person can make a decision to live in a town with a shul close by or a shul far away. That decision will affect a lot of his davening. But, the second day, but, but then on a day-to-day basis, 
If, am I davening or not? I have to wake up and go to daven. Those are all, so on the one hand, by the person making a decision to live in a town where there's no shul really, and or dominion, he's made a decision that will affect most of his life, he's not going to go to dominion. On the other hand, even if he decides to be in a, in a, in a place with dominion, he's got he's to get up and go to dominion. So the, 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 the two levels of Bechira reflect themselves in two types of, of din. There is the din on the broad scale, which is Rosh Hashanah, and there's a daily din. Let me just sum up the points because I just want to keep them together. The, the, um, the point he started with was, there is a Gemara that says, three sperm are open in Rosh Hashanah. Tzadikim are, are immediately signed for life, Yeshayim for Gehenim, for, for death, and Benin in the middle. The problem with that is, first of all, it's simply not true. We don't see Tzadikim living forever and Yeshayim just dropping off like flies. There's also conflict, the Gemara says, on Rosh Hashanah we decide which countries and which people will suffer and so on and so forth. That was the problem, that was the issue, that was the question. His, his approach, which he bases on Ramchal and the Gura, is as follows. A. The, 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 um, the din on a person of whether he's a Tzadik or a Russia or Benini is really a sort of frozen picture of the person's essence. It's an x-ray of who the person is. Because a Russia and a Tzadik are descriptions of who you are, not what you did necessarily. Obviously everything that you did goes into it. But we're talking about deciding what the person is. The second point on that is um, now that we've figured out who you are, what you are, the next question is where do we go from here? And, and the decision on that is not, we're not in the stage of getting reward and punishment. You're alive. The question is, how do we steer the person? And Sarkarish Baruch uses that flesh of who you are together with the where you're supposed to be to, to get you from point A to point B. Sometimes, in extreme cases, it said God gives up, uh, um, which Again, if the person takes the initiative, he never gave up. But God can say, this person is inherently wicked, I, there is nothing to do with him, he's incorrigible, let him just live a fat life and that's the end of Out, you know, we want nothing. And then the person lives a wonderful life, never ever, you know, nothing happens to him. And it, it says, he pays off the wicked to get rid of him. I want you out of the way, finished. Just like a kid, in, in a, when you're teaching, um, you look around the classroom and you say, so-and-so are the bright students, phenomenal. So-and-so are um, mediocre students, medium students, but if I work hard with them, they'll understand. So-and-so just never get it. It's a waste of time. Just pat him on the back and smile. Give him, you know, uh, even if, it, if it'll stop him from complaining, give him a straight age, just get him out of the class as soon as possible. There is such a type of relationship. And then, for most people, though, it's God aiming to shift you towards the right direction, which includes opportunities. It includes sometimes... A, 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 a harsh interaction, sometimes pleasant interaction. And then all of it, and then he says, this happens at two times. On Rosh Hashanah, it's on a general basis. It deals with those major decisions that affect the person long time, long term. Whereas on a daily basis, there's a lot of point by point stuff. That's what it is. You want to do something? Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, a shaman that just gives up on people. Um, okay. It does say something like that. Uh, um, it, 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 uh, let me tell you the Gemara 
that sort of brings out how that happens. It says Elisha ben Avro was a terrible person, and it said he heard a voice from heaven, someone else wanted to repent. So he said, I heard a voice from heaven, return, wayward children return, except for Elisha ben Avro. But the Gemara says, had he disregarded it and still done well, he would have come back. A lot of times, you know, especially when I go as an educator, you will want to make the following thing. You will tell somebody, please leave the school. I feel you're not capable or, um, you know, you're not, you don't want to be part of it, leave. You really want the kid to ask to come back because you feel that if he, if he gives that type of attitude, then, then he's really made for it. In other words, sometimes when you're pushed away and saying, despite it, I want it, that brings out, and a lot of times you'll find it, you know, you'll have a dialogue sometimes with a person and say, listen, I don't say something. The classes don't interest you. The rules don't are not binding on you. Business. So leave. You know, what's the problem? And I said, no, I want to stay. But, but why do you want to stay? I don't stand it. You don't like anything about the school. So what's the, what's the issue? And sometimes the fact that he's got to take the initiative it, it, it sort of brings out in him the understanding that I really want it. So when God gives up on a person, I assume it's usually an attitude. In other words, to tell you, listen, I don't want you. And the test of the person is, if, if despite that attitude, he lifts himself above it, 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 that's the way to do it. But on the surface of it, yes, it does seem to be such a... It says, Lashalim in the center of Panavavide, he sometimes stops the wicked to destroy them. That's the, that's the phrase used in... But it, I don't believe there's ever a case of a person hopeless and, and there is not a... a, 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 a if he will take the initiative, then it'll go. That's the... Okay. It's very nice to see you. And, and yeah. question? You mentioned that Gehenim to Roshan. Yeah. So along these lines of what Olam Hava is, what, what is Gehenim? Okay. Gehenim is a more, a, a less efficient way of changing a person. Gehenim also shapes a person. Gehenim is, in Olam, a, a person was supposed to have done it himself. A person was supposed to have taken himself by his hand and, and molded himself to be a good person. If it doesn't work, you can be acted upon, but that's already not as good. It's like when, when you have to give someone, when somebody's mature, and you tell them, don't drive while you're drunk. So, so, so there the person says, well, I won't drive, but I realize it's bad. If a person's not mature, you take him to a hospital where, where people are sitting in wheelchairs and you say, look at this kid, look at this kid, this kid, because he's not mature enough to, to realize in his own, and you, you're dragging through it. Or like you hit a child. You hit a child because you want him to associate that pain with that experience. So if the child climbed on top of the windowsill, you'll slap him so that you're impressing him with the pain that standing on a tall window it, it, it might be painful. But that's not as good as doing it yourself. So Gehenna is a way of impressing a person with things that if he would have been mature, would have realized himself. It's, 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 it's not ideal in the sense that somebody's teaching you to listen, not to yourself. But that's what, Gehenna only works for a person who's basically good, but he's done things wrong. If the person's incorrigible, it doesn't seem good. That's the sense of it. It's very hard to be very definitive about experience that, you know, I'll have it. But if I, can, if I can correctly pick up the sense of Hazal, I think that's the sense of it. Okay, so have a good year. And 
there's a standing invitation if anybody wants to come for Shabbos at Yeshiva. Um, there usually is room and just call up beforehand if you'd like to spend Shabbos or some Yomtiv. Well, Yomtiv is not, not that open. I took his Yeshiva, is not open. But uh, if anybody would like to spend it, please feel free. And that's what I'm, I'm learning. Uh, you have a very good review. The fall is a very special mistake. And uh, I'm sure things will work out well. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. And this must be his Yehudas, yeah. Um, where is Yehudas? No, you probably went downstairs somewhere. Or did someone else teach you there? Okay, it's my pleasure. I, I, I really, no, I, I really look forward to, to developing something. And, you know, my original idea had been at some point maybe if people can live near the yeshiva. And I want to see that, but it just wasn't. Well, I understand. I, I, understand I understand. I understand. Maybe the next year or something, yeah, you know. Yeah, it'd yeah. be nice to, to make that a sort of a, a permanent option for people that want that. Mm-hmm. But it's so much different when you shiver by when you come to school than... Uh, I'm still interested in how work is in the afternoon. Fine, 